personal wealth for me is having security. I need my license so that I can go myself and that I can get the data myself. If I want it at 2 a.m., I don't have to email or call somebody and say, hey, can you get it to me when you're available tomorrow? I'd be like, no, I'm up and I want it now. And when I was younger, when I was watching my aunt, it took a long time for properties to double and triple. So the name of my brokerage is Grace Realty Group, and it's named after my daughter, and her name is Grace. But my mom, like I, I lost my job, I have my rent. Can I move home? And my mom said no. Hello, welcome to the Dre and Smiley podcast, The Inner Circle. This is where ordinary people with extraordinary lives, extraordinary experiences, share their journeys with you. We are so excited to have Tiffany to speak to us about her amazing life. All right, so let's kick, kick this off with a brief introduction, Tiffany, and then we'll dive into it and talk about your journey to where you are today. So Tiffany Vendries is the managing broker and director of operations at the Grace Realty Group. Tiffany got her initial start in real estate, owning three properties that housed up to seven tenants. This eye-opening experience taught Tiffany a number of valuable lessons, increased her knowledge and skills around the world of real estate, and laid the foundation for her to amass a net worth of over half a million dollars. So with that said, Tiffany... Welcome, welcome again to the podcast. Did I miss anything there with that intro? What, what would you add to that? I actually started before um, those those rental properties. Okay. I purchased my first home in 2010, and okay. those rental properties came in 2015. So I got started by um, buying something and then moving into it as a primary owner. And I think that's a great avenue for, for a lot of people to build wealth. Is they don't have to be a landlord. They don't have to do that kind of investing, you can just buy something and move into it. And then that will add to your, your wealth. Makes sense. Makes sense. Some people refer to that as the, as the bird method, I think, where you buy, uh, live in it, and then rehab it a bit if it needs to be rehabbed. And I think you have to be there for a year and then you can turn it Rent into it a out. rental, buy your next mm -hmm. one type thing. Is that kind of what you're, what you're hinting at or kind of talking about? So Burr is buy, renovate, uh, rehab. So that's the buy, renovate, uh, refinance, and then rent and repeat. Gotcha. And so those people, yeah, they live in it for a while, and then they they re, they refinance, get their money out, and repeat. okay, that's great too. That's a one strategy. But even if you just live there like long term, just having yeah. property, um, just having something is a great way to, to build wealth. No, that's awesome. I, I, I have a question that's more, when you mentioned in 2010, was your mindset at the time to build wealth or just to get a home? Because sometimes people are like, oh, I bought this house and I'm just buying it to live, but they don't even look at it more strategically as I'm using this as a stepping stone to as amassing wealth. Or I just need a place to stay. So what was your thought process in 2008, 2009 before you got to, to 2010? I just needed, yeah, a place to live because rent at the time, I mean, rent now is astronomical and rent then was still astronomical for me. Like at that time, at 25 years old, 
paying $2,000 a month in rent. I was like, this is crazy. I can buy my own home and pay less than that. So that's what I did. No, that's awesome. So from there, just one more follow-up. So let's say as more like I had some rental estate property, real estate property, but I did it because I needed a place to stay. And then my mother needed a place to stay. Then her girlfriend needed a place to stay. So I just stumbled my way in. It was nothing thought from a strategic perspective, like, oh, I want to amass wealth, but people's desire to have a place to stay. So when you went from, what was the, the catalyst that says from 2010 to 2015, it says, you know what, this works for me. Let me get rental properties. I'm good at this. Well, um, when I was younger, my aunt, she had rental properties then and she still has them. And so when I, when I was growing up, I saw how not only owning a primary residential property, but in addition to that, having investment properties, I saw how that can help build wealth because you have other people paying your mortgage and other people paying taxes and, and those expenses. So I, I always knew in the back of my mind that that was something that I wanted to work towards. And that seemed like a good time because my the value of my house had almost doubled. So then I was like, okay, now I have more money to be able to do more within real estate. The three of us have something in common in that we more or less, less, less so with you, Tiffany, you had, you had someone you could look to as an example, but uh, Kevin and I both stumbled into real estate. What I have in common with you, Tiffany, is that when I bought my first place, I couldn't afford rent, right? I couldn't afford the rent. So I was trying to think, well, what can I do? Cause you know, I have nowhere to live. And I happened to speak to someone who was a realtor and said, well, you know, your mortgage, your mortgage would be X, your rent would be, you know, X plus, and I couldn't afford X plus. So for me, I was kind of, it was kind of a no brainer uh, to kind of venture into my first place because it was just cheaper. It was more affordable to have a mortgage at that time, which nowadays it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, not the case at all. So I was, I was fortunate that I was able to, to experience that. So, when you, once you got started into being a landlord, let's talk about that. So has it been fun and exciting the entire time? You just go to your mailbox and collect the checks or have there been, have there been some, uh, some uh, eye-opening experiences, some lessons learned? And if so, what were they? So I started off with uh, multifamilies and that's one property that has multiple uh, tenants or multiple doors, as they say. And that wasn't the best for me. <laughs> I have learned that properties that are newer and properties that are in um, like middle income neighborhoods are better for me. Number one, I'm not great at um, cont contract work. So uh, you know, I don't have skills in that area. So it makes more sense for me to pick something that doesn't need a ton of work and something that's more recent. So I have a condo. So what that means is the roof, that's something I don't have to worry about. The grass is something I don't have to worry about. The, the pipes within the building, I don't have to worry about it. So it makes more sense for me and my skill set to buy something where I have a, a building property manager on site. And then if there's anything inside the unit that goes wrong, I can call somebody to fix that for me. Sure, sure. It makes sense. And what's interesting is that, you know, in the real estate game, there's so many different approaches. Some people say um, we have a friend of ours that has a number of properties and he purchases having a property manager. That's the way to go. 
that's why he got into real estate to have the freedom. There are others that are into real estate and they, they say that, why would I give someone 10% of my profits? I'd rather do the work myself and you know keep that money. So how did you how did you discover? Was it simply as ma a matter of I don't want to do the work, I don't want to be bothered. That's why I'm taking this different approach, or was it something that you learned from your? Uh, I believe you said your aunt was in real estate as well, or was it a, a number of different uh, sources after doing some research you discovered this is the best approach for me? How did you discover that? So finding contractors is not easy. It's not like you just you know, go to the store and it, go to Home Depot and pick one out. It, right. uh, you can find contractors at Home Depot. The good ones will be there uh, picking out like supplies, but they're not that easy to find, number one. And then reliable ones are even harder to find. They can tell you they're going to go and then maybe they'll get a bigger job and they, they go to that job instead. And so it's not something that I realized I didn't want to do. It was something I realized that I can't do maintenance on older properties because it's just really, I don't have the resources. If I was, if I had like a general contractor license, then yeah, it would make more sense. Um, but I don't. And I do have people now that I can call. So I have like a plumber and a handyman and um, a painter, but those are, are like cosmetic things for the most part that, that I'll hire people for. It's not for like, you know, like a, replacing a full roof or, or gutting a kitchen. If, if it needs that much work, I am. it's not for me. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now I, I, I'm always, I always like the, the catalysts and different things because you, you have your real estate company now, correct? So went from 2010 with the property of your own, had the guidance or the experience or knowledge and the uh, familiarity of real estate from your family members. 2015, got a multifamily. What was the catalyst to say, you know what? I, I got my master's in education, but I'm going to just do this real estate and, uh, and that's what I'm going to do because... It, it, it seems like if you majored and mastered in education, something had to be a strong pull to get you to do this 100%. So um, what happened was I was selling my uh, my properties, the rental properties that I, that I bought in 2015. I bought three of them, and they had the seven tenants. So I was selling them, and I was using a realtor. I used a realtor to purchase all three of them and a, a realtor to purchase my primary residence, the first one. And so I was, I got to a point where I wanted to do more research on my own. So I wanted to be able to pull listings from the MLS. I wanted to be able to go to properties without being on somebody else's schedule at, or feeling bad. Like maybe I want to see 10 properties, but I know I'm not going to buy any of them. I just want to maybe do research and see like, okay, well, in this price point, what do they look like? Or in, and it's different. It's you know pictures and going there is different. So maybe I really want to go and I want to see what this price point, what you get at this price point. But I know I'm not going to purchase those type of things. I was like, I need my license so that I can go myself and that I can get the data myself. If I want it at 2 a.m., I don't have to email or call somebody and say, Hey, can you get it to me when you're available tomorrow? I'd be like, No, I'm up and I want it now, <laughs> so I can just so I got my license. So it was your desire to be self, 
be on your own schedule and just find the stuff that you wanted without being reliant or dependent on someone else. Yes. I mean, the commission awesome. also helps, but really it was like I needed, <laughs> I, needed, I needed access to this data. No, I, I like that. So think of it like this. If, if you were to, it's 2022, speak to Tiffany 20, 2009, what would you tell her? Like, I, I, I gathered, they say, stay away from the multifamily, stay away from all the maintenance. But if you could go back in time and talk to yourself, because only you know what you were doing back then and say, when you do this, get your license first and then go into this. Or what would you say to someone that you're looking back because you got this experience now that you would course correct, perhaps? So that time was a very special time in, in South Florida. The home, the, the home values had dropped by more than half, you know, in 2010. So there were single families that were $150,000. There were townhouses that were just a little bit above 100, maybe like 110. If I wow. could go back to that, I know, right? If I could go back <laughs> to that time, I would buy like four or five of them that case i would do burr like i would just keep doing it until until they couldn't give me any more money i would just keep doing it um because once you move out you can claim that rental money as income so mm-hmm. like let's say you're only qualified for one house but once you have somebody else paying that mortgage then your income can now go towards another house and then you can keep doing that and scale. I had no idea that that the market was going to grow so quickly. It's been 12 years and the home prices have gone from 100 to $300,000 in in that time. And when I was younger, when I was watching my aunt, it took a long time for properties to double and triple. It took decades. And so I wasn't thinking that, okay, in one decade, it's gonna triple. It took like, years to to increase at the rate that it has mm. here in South Florida. So if I would have known that, if anybody would have known that, I would have just just kept buying the the same type of house that I bought from my primary residence, four or five of them. The one next door, then the one next door to that, and then the one next door to <laughs> right. that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you, you mentioned the uh, values increasing. And so like you, you know, I casually looked in 07, 08, 09, and saw these properties. I, 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 this one hurts every time I think about it. Tiffany, I came across a condo that was selling for about 25000 a two-bedroom, one-bath. And, you know, being a novice, not really knowing what I'm doing, I looked at the history of the sales of that condo. And there weren't any large increases over the years. Maybe, you know, it would sell for... 2000 more than what the previous owner paid 10 years prior or you know maybe maybe even less in some cases so i'm thinking as a novice you know 20 uh, 07 08 ah there's really no real upside here you know i hold this for 10 years and in terms of the appreciation it might go up two thousand dollars well as we know um like you just said prices have gone up exponentially that condo tiffany now it's worth about 175. Wow. So yeah, wow. yeah. So I, every time I drive by it, I'm like, no, what could have been? <laughs> but so you've gone on from being a, a landlord to also adding an additional revenue stream, having your own brokerage. How did that come about? And and tell me the name of the brokerage. And uh, mm-hmm. if I, if I recall correctly from what I read about you, 
the name has a significant meaning. So the name of your brokerage and how you got started. And so the name of my brokerage is Grace Realty Beautiful. Group, and it's named after my daughter, and her name is Grace. Uh, how I got started was my one of my biggest clients, she, uh, she would buy, and then her mom would buy and, and sell. She was a, a, we need to buy and sell, we need to buy and sell kind of person. She decided to get her own license. And so I was losing her as a client and her network, like you know, her family also. And she was like, I'm, I'm going to get my license. You should become a broker. And at the time, I, I bought another, I bought a house because I, I had a daughter. So I was like, I need to buy a house. And um, I was living in my condo, but we needed, to, we needed to expand. So I bought a house at the time and I wasn't looking to add that onto my plate. Like I had a one-year-old and a new house and trying to decorate and also move. But I told her, okay, not right now, because I'm a little busy, I just bought a house. Um, but maybe, you know, once we're settled in, once we're moved, once, we're, once it's all done, okay, I will look into this broker license. And so I, I took the course to be a broker. I, I got my license. I passed the, the test and she joined the brokerage. So what was the most challenging part about starting your brokerage and how, how have you been able to grow to, to where you are today? The most challenging part I would say was just the initial, the initial setup, just going through all of the, the licensing because I have an LLC and so there was a, there was a different couple of different things I had to do with the state. And um, that was the, the most challenging part so far. And you said, how has it grown? So we've started a YouTube channel for um, real estate in Palm Beach County, which is where we're focused. And also social media and our website. Our, I had a website as a realtor, but now that I'm a broker, I realize it's much better now. Same thing also with YouTube. I had a channel before, but it, it's it's now focused on the client mm. and what can the client. So we have tips on purchasing a home, and then we have different communities we'll drive through so people who are looking to move here can see what it looks like in these communities. We have um, lending tips. We have also just things to do in Palm Beach, like even if they just want to visit. You have like, you know, you go to the beach or you have Clematis by night or you have different markets that we have down here. We have videos of that. So that's really helpful. Yeah. So all of those things are adding to our um, brand awareness and then also adding in podcasts and national publications like Fortune. So I was in yeah. Fortune. And then that got picked, that story got picked up by other news outlets like Apple and Yahoo News. They they ran it on their pages as well. So that has been really helpful. Yeah, you know what, Tiffany, it's funny you mentioned that article in Fortune. So I was sitting on my phone one evening, like most of us do, just kind of scrolling through the news and things like that, and that article popped up. And I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. You know, it's a, What site were you on? Where is it like Apple? No, actually, you know what? Um, it was just, I have an Android, and so what I'm trying to, there's a, there's a page you can go to on your Android where it's just, it has like different articles and news things on it. You just kind of scroll up and it gives you different, you know, anything that it, it, it believes you have an interest in. And real estate is one of those things. And so um, my guess is that 
you know, with Google's reach, they discovered that, you know, I have an interest in real estate and they just kind of sent that to me. And, you know, and so, so when I read it, I was like, Kev, man, check this out. <laughs> he was like, yeah, let's get her on the podcast. Let's get her on the podcast. Yeah. So here's a, here's a follow-up question. So, you know, with any new business, um, there's peaks and valleys. And sometimes, depending on the business, it can take a while before you feel like you've achieved some level of success. Uh, they say restaurants, for example, usually fail in the first 12 months. So when you think back about when you started your brokerage to where you are today, two questions. Do you feel like you've achieved the level of success you were seeking when starting the brokerage? And the follow-up question is, what advice would you give to anyone wanting to follow your path in terms of you know, getting their own brokerage off? So in terms of success, like if it were a hill, I think we're, we're down here. I think we are, I think we have so much opportunity okay. and okay. so much, um, so much things that we can do in Palm Beach County. I think this is just the beginning, like fortune article, just the beginning. My goal is to have other publications, other, um, TV personalities, other events, similar ones mentioning and interviewing Grace Realty Group. And in regards to my advice for other people, I think that if you are really passionate about real estate and if you really like community involvement and um, growing your team and a personal mission as well for, for Grace Realty Group, we have a personal mission of creating generational wealth for 250 families. So everything that we do goes wow. back to creating generational wealth through real estate. And I would definitely say if, if that person has a similar goal or a similar impact that they want to create in the community, then it pushes you, your goal pushes you to do more and more and more. So it's like, well, how, what else can I do so that people know about Grace Realty Group so that I can help them create generational wealth? That's, that's awesome. I, I love that, uh, that concept of generational wealth. But um, you mentioned if the success heals here, you're here. Is um, I'm in Tampa, Florida. Um, Dre mentioned I'm in Florida as well. But is the goal for Grace to dominate, of course, Palm County and then go to the other counties in Florida or to do other types of real estate like commercial or short-term housing like airbnbs and nurse finders or or if you're down here what's to get you up here is that to be international real estate or how does the mountain so, what do you define as the success and like a five-year oh i'm sorry one last one is i'm talking we asked a question or i asked a question what would tiffany say to tiffany in 2008 what would tiffany today say to Tiffany in 2035. I'm so happy that Tiffany in 2025 or 2035, because I'm in Jamaica with a whole bunch of property or I'm all over the world or all over the US or something like that. Yeah. Um, so for me, what that would look like is having, so my goal is to educate and provide services on property ownership and real estate investing. So two parts to educate and provide services. 
So the educational part would be YouTube, would be online courses, would be webinars. When we have those three things generating revenue, that people are signing up for our webinars because they know us and because they know that we provide valuable content. They know, okay, I'm gonna sign up for a webinar and I'm gonna understand which realtor to use. I'm gonna understand which questions to ask. I'm gonna understand when to buy, when to sell. I'm gonna understand how to close the wealth gap. And in that way, we are gonna reach people where it doesn't matter where they live, domestic, international, Arizona, it doesn't matter. And so my goal isn't to necessarily own property in all of those places, but it is to help people in all those places. And I'm gonna do that online. And then the other part, providing services, that's going to be local. So in regards to our real estate services, that's going to be local. So if a person in Arizona wants to have rental property in South Florida, then we can definitely help you. But if you want to have rental property in Arizona, then we can partner with a realtor in Arizona and we can help you get those services there. I don't have goals right now for expanding to other states. We are licensed throughout the state. So if anybody in any county wanted to use our services. I have realtors that will drive anywhere. So they'll drive to Tampa, they'll drive to Tallahassee. It really doesn't matter to them where that focused on closing the, the wealth gap. Makes sense. So so the summarize, I mean, that's beautiful. I love that. So it's global in content and idea expression, but local in execution. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. There. So, um, so you, you mentioned genera generational wealth earlier, um, which is something that I think a lot of people talk about nowadays. What does that look like for you, specific, specifically for you, not for your customers, but in terms of providing generational wealth for you, Grace? And, and, and so for me, it would be for my daughter to have um, property and to have the resources to be able to do whatever she wanted to do. So whether that's go to college, then she, I will have the resources to be able to send her to college. Whether that's traveling the world, if she wanted to do that for a year, I'll have that. Whatever she wanted to start a business, she had to prove to me that this is a good idea but, and have some data, but sure, I'll have the resources for that. And, and, and get her mind in the thinking of, well, how can I create revenue for myself? Whether that's through real estate or whatever she chooses to follow, it's, it's, it's having security. Generational wealth for me is having security. If something happens to me, that the people that I love are taken care of. They have what I would give them financially. They're not going to have everything I would give them, but they would have that aspect of what I would give them. My father passed away when I was 19. And so my mother and I have been able to live comfortably, even in his absence. And that is because both of my parents took responsibility in making sure that something happens to either one of them, that either of them would be fine and that I would be fine as well. And I think that every parent, if they can, should put in place something to do just that. And I think that also creates security. Like I use the term generational wealth, 
but security, meaning that if something happens to you, your standard of living is the same for the, for the rest. If something happens to me, I want for my daughter to have the same standard of living that I have for the rest of her life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, you put it so succinctly. Generational wealth is security, bottom line. That, that, that resonates with me. You know, you mentioned your dad, and, and sorry for your loss. Um, I think about my dad, and, you know, I, I'm pretty focused on the same in terms of having that security for my family for the same reasons you mentioned. So that with my son and daughter, and Kevin, Smiley and I have talked about this in the past, too, because we both have children around the same age and how we want to make sure that they are secure and they won't have to struggle like we did growing up. Part of that for me comes from my dad. And I often tell the story where, you know, he, uh, he could squeeze a dollar and five quarters. Of fall out. <laughs> whenever I, I, whenever I had the, the, the guts to ask him for money, because his, his approach was, why would I give you money? You have, you're young and energetic and there's lots of opportunities for you to earn money. But if I ever had the guts to ask him for money, what he would do is he would give me a $2 bill and two bus tickets, <laughs> one bus ticket to go look for a job and the other to come back. <laughs> and so that's kind of where I think my mindset of, you know, providing security for my kids and teaching them independence, at least part of that comes from him, thankfully. Uh, and it sounds like it also your parents also played a significant role for you um, in, in learning that as well. So um, as we go towards the, the next phase of, of this conversation, um, you know, you clearly have an interest in your community, providing a, 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 a number of resources as it relates to um, real estate and that sort of thing. Uh, for those that are interested in, in connecting with you, uh, what are the best ways to reach out to you, you and your group? So... Um... You can go to our website, which is gracerealtygrp.com. Grace Realty Group with the group is grp.com. And from there, you can see all of our contact information, our email, our social media, Instagram, which is also my name. My Instagram is Tiffany Ventries, but our YouTube is Grace Realty Group. Uh, Twitter is Grace Realty Group. And my email is on there. Great. Awesome. We'll We'll actually add that to our show notes as well. So for those that have an interest in uh, any part of South Florida and finding a great realtor team, they'll be able to uh, connect with you. So I'm gonna pa- I'll pass it over to you, Kev, and we'll start the final four questions with you. Okay. And, and before yeah, before we do the final four, which is a fan favorite for our, our podcast, I, I just wanted to, I we are so enthused. You can tell Dre and I, we love real estate and we have, uh, Whenever we can speak to a real estate professional or a real estate expert like you are, we just get excited. But before we go into final four, is there anything that you just want to talk about that's not real estate or anything generic? Because I know we've been pounding you on real estate, but it's maybe you knit or you do draw cats or something. Is there anything yeah. is generic that she, you she probably want to get that on the podcast? That's a, One of my that's, hobbies is drawing cats. <laughs> yeah, anything anything right, you want right. to talk about that's not real estate because I feel like we was all into your business, but is there anything you'd like to share that you, you do as a release? It says, you know what, I do that, but I walk on the beach because I'm in Florida and it helps me when I see turtles and it makes me rejuvenate anything like that. 
I exercise a lot. I just went biking oh, nice. this morning, and uh, yeah, I, I walk on the beach. Or you know what? I, I like to run over the bridges. So we have like um, mm-hmm. yeah, intercoastal. So there's like a bridge that'll go from the yeah. land to the to the other island, and yeah. running over those is is really nice. But I did want to um, mention something. Dre, you're talking about your parents teaching you responsibility. In 2009 or so, I got laid off from a, a tech job in, in New York, in New Jersey, actually. And at the time, my rent was $2,000 a month. And I did not want to pay that on unemployment. Like, why, why would I? And so I go to my mom and I say, Mom, I lost my job. And my rent is $2,000 a month. And my roommates moved out because even though like I had enough money to pay $2,000 a month, I still had like three roommates because I like the Jamaican in me wouldn't sure. have to pay $2,000 a month. So, but when they moved out, then now that's my responsibility. So I told my mom, like I, I lost my job. I have my rent. Can I move home? And my mom said, no. She said, wow. And I was so, (laughs) I was so at the time because I was like, this is like a low moment in my life. And uh, from that experience, I moved to Florida because I still wasn't going to pay this New York rent. So I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Florida. And that actually worked out to be, you know, one of the turning points in my life and one of the best decisions in my life. And so my mom, she wanted to teach me responsibility and accountability and not like I'm, she's my fallback. And so parents, yeah. great parents teaching responsibility, there's countless lessons. For sure, for sure. I have, I have one comment as it relates to that. So you mentioned that you're Jamaican They're mom, my, both my parents. right? And, 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 mm-hmm. Right, yeah. But I think the conversation was with your mom. But what resonates with me as I hear that story is another lesson I learned about money was from a guy I worked with uh, when I was in college. He was an older guy from New York. We were living in Atlanta at the time. I was working at a bank part-time. His name was Devin Lee, Devin Lee. And again, he was older. I was probably like 20. He was probably 50-something. He had retired, but he got a job for the insurance because he had kids. That's another story. At any rate, what he taught me at 20-some-odd years old, you know, as I made money, I would spend it. I was young and dumb. So he, he uh, we sat side by side. He would say in his thick Jamaican accent, you know, Dre, you don't need that. You know, you don't need all these clothes and watches and cars. He said, because those things um, can't give you a return. I'm like, what's a return? <laughs> what are you talking about? What's a return? A return on what? But he instilled in me, and I, I have this watch. I still have this watch he gave to me decades ago. He instilled in me the concept of, you know, how can your money work for you, right? Don't throw it away. And um, you mentioned your Jamaican, your Jamaican parents. This, this guy definitely had a huge impact in my life. And I think about him from time to time since then. And it's just interesting how people come into your lives for different reasons. You don't realize it at that moment, usually. My thought is when your mom was like, you're not living here. You were like, how could you? But as you got older, you realize, oh, man, that was a valuable lesson. My dad gave me the two, give me $2 bills. I'm like, this guy is, you know, he's off his rocket. But now, as an adult, I, you know, I appreciate it. And my, my, my kids, you know, they get sick and tired of me. When they come ask me for money, 
I hit them with the same thing my dad did. You know, how do you? I, I, what are you going to do? To earn it? How can you? How can you make it? But uh, uh, yeah, that, that story about your mom resonates with me too. Yeah, well, I, I got a quick, I got a quick parent story as well because we would go to our grandmother when we needed something. She was the matriarch of the family, and I remember all the way up until 1560. I say, Grandma, can can I have some money? And she say a prayer, pull out the Bible. And then I'm like, uh, can I have a twenty dollars? She's like, I turn it over to Jesus, and Jesus will make a way. And I was like, where I see Jesus ever? Where am I gonna get some money from Jesus? And every time I ask, and then my uncle would ask. He's like, don't you know? Every time you ask her for money, she gonna pray for you, and that's it. And I'm like, oh, let me go out here and shovel some snow. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, but. With the final four. So once again, this is just the final four. We just asked the last questions. And who would you want to have dinner with? Alive, dead, or anyone? If you are sitting at a dinner table and there's three others around the table, who would you invite to your dinner table? Or who would you want to have dinner with and why? So I can invite three people? Three okay. people. Any, alive or dead. Jesus, Moses, whoever, or anyone that you want. A superhero, anyone you want to have at that dinner table, why, who, and why? And even though you've likely thoroughly enjoyed this podcast, it cannot be me or Spider. <laughs> 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 she said, yeah. <laughs> She's from New Jersey, man. Remember. <laughs> Michelle Obama. Uh-huh. Because she yeah. is the epitome of grace and sophistication and elegance and excellence and just the way that she handles criticism. And she's also a mother. So I admire her for her mothering skills. I admire her for being a supportive wife, even when she didn't agree with what her husband was doing or she didn't want him to do those things or she felt like she was unsupportive unsupported she still was committed i admire her and she's she's highly educated and a gifted speaker and author so just listening to her would be amazing um oprah just because another woman who is so talented and educated and just has she's interviewed so many people and she's read so much that everything she says is just like you know it's liquid gold like it's just you just take it in and, and you're you're wiser <laughs> and yeah. the next would be Maya Angelou because I would just love to hear her speak and, and like Oprah everything she says is so is just wisdom penetrating the brain. I, I love those. Okay. And that's so fascinating. And, and Andre, what's so cool is no final force. We have any duplicates. It's just amazing. And I, yeah, I just love Maya yeah. Angelou. I mean, that's a, that's an all-star cast <laughs> at your table. So, wow. Thank you for that. Uh, Andre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what would you say to date has been your greatest success? I think having my daughter and teaching her teaching her the things that my mother taught me and then teaching her the things that I've learned from other sources that is my biggest accomplishment and and source of 
or my motivation for growing. Beautiful. And by the way, I've seen pictures of her on Instagram. Kev, she is adorable. I, I saw the videos. I saw her in a, the, the YouTube video, the closing. And oh, yeah. uh, I was watching some. Yeah. I was like, you know, and I have a picture of my daughter when she's, she's three, four here, and she's 15. Oh, and she's like, Dad, why don't you have any pictures of me now? I was like, because when you were that age, you cried when I left the room. You 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 held on my leg and cried, and and now you yell at me for walking in your room, and and I can't I can't come around you when you're with your friends. So I, those are the beautiful years. I'm just like, oh please. Yeah, we're in that stage. She definitely is, is super clingy. Like I can't go anywhere. She mommy, mommy. Uh, like to, I bring her everywhere. She comes to closings because because she stays home with me. I know that's that's where they like they just have my heart, so I got her on my wall at that age. But uh, but the um, here's one, and once again, excuse the nature of the question, but in this world of Black Panther, Marvel heroes, what's your superpower? If you were to say that you were granted a superpower, what is your superpower that you have that was bestowed upon you? I think my friends say that I'm a great connector, so. It would be connecting mm. people because I, I meet a lot of people through real estate. And then I also intentionally meet people like I have uh, meetup groups where I meet people. And so I do a lot of meeting. And then when I meet people, I say, hey, you know what? I think that this person, you probably get along with this person or you might like this person. And what that do is it enriches mm. my network because not only do they know me, now they mm. know these other people. So they go hang out somewhere with these other people. It's still in my network and still like growing the, the mm -hmm. strengthening the bonds there. Awesome. Thank you. I like it. I like it. So this is the final question of the final four. So if you were to reflect back over your life, right, and think about the title of your biography, what would the title be? Okay, I always try to put grace into everything. I always try to like. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Women's group is first women's group. I, I try to put her in everything. So I want to put something uh, grace, gracefully. And I also like Beyonce's song, I Was Here. So it was something, it would be something like mm. here in grace. There it is. <laughs> mm, I like that. I like it. Yeah, I like hearing that. grace. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Tiffany, I, I just want to share with you, um, what I kept said earlier, when we finally got you on the podcast, because one of one of the I use the word challenge loosely. One of the challenges is finding interesting guests um, to to speak to. Uh, for us, being that we both have an interest in real estate and that sort of thing, this was like um, heaven. You know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, we were like two little schoolgirls dancing yeah. around. We were like, yeah, we were like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so, so I hope we didn't make you feel uncomfortable with our, our excitement. And, and, uh, no, this our, is our, great. You know, this has been great. Jokes yeah. and stuff. Good, 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 good. Uh, so, Kev, I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap it up here. Before. Well, thank you. Uh, we want to first and foremost thank you, Tiffany, for sharing your ideas, your thoughts, your wisdom, your experience with us. And and I think that your story is going to resonate with a lot of people who are 
on the edge, afraid to jump into the pool of real estate or jump into the pool of generational wealth. And, and thank you for just sharing you with us. No, this is great. This has been great.